coming to God's precious word. Our scripture reading is from the book of Genesis and the chapter 23. The book of Genesis, the chapter 23, and returning today to our study in the life of Abraham. And we've entitled the study, The Pathway of Faith. And we're coming today to the 23rd chapter the book of Genesis, and as we read this chapter, you will find that it is a solemn chapter, and it details for us the death and the burial of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Genesis 23, the verse 1, let us hear God's word. And Sarah was an hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my Lord, thou art a mighty prince among us, in the choice of our sepulchres bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury thy dead. And Abraham stood up, bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Sohar that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my Lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein I give it thee. In the presence of the sons of my people give I it thee. Bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it off me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My Lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver, what is that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham wed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 
400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. And the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field, that were in all the borders round about, were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. Amen. We'll end the reading at the end of chapter 23. May the Lord add his own blessing to this reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Let us again turn together to Genesis chapter 23 as we come to this particular point in the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 23. And if we just read together verse 2, which really sets the scene for us of this particular chapter. Genesis 23 and the verse 2. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And here we have the death of Sarah. Let's unite our hearts together in prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious and our eternal heavenly Father, we do thank thee that we have thy precious word to turn to, that thou hast not left us to ourselves, O God, in the darkness and in the troubles of this old world. And we pray that thou wouldst take up thine own precious and infallible truth, and thou wouldst make it, O God, to be that word in season, even to waiting hearts this day, and grant our Father for each of thy children that we would know that strengthening of our faith. Thou wouldst draw us closer unto thyself. Speak to each and every one that would hear thy word and grant our Father it would be with profit to our hearts and to our souls. Shut us into thy presence. Give us help from heaven, the wisdom of God, the Holy Spirit. We commit our way to thee in the Savior's great name. Amen. When we looked at chapter 22 in the book of Genesis, uh, we entitled that chapter, A Mountain to Climb. And of course, that was the time whenever Abraham had to go, along with his own son Isaac, up the Mount Moriah. And in more ways than one, it was indeed a mountain to climb. A great time of testing in the life of the Lord's servant Abraham. He had met many trials in his life, but up to that point, that was the greatest trial that he would ever face. And we know that he faced it with great fortitude. 
and he faced it by faith. It was by faith that he obeyed the Lord in chapter 22. But when we now come into chapter 23, we find that Abraham is confronted with another trial. And it's a trial that is no less than the one in chapter 22. This great character of faith, the one that we have learned so much from, he comes to that point in his life that he's going to face another great trial. And it teaches us that even though we're on the pathway of faith and even though we're seeking to follow the Lord, we will not be immune to those troubles and to those difficulties. Life is not easy, even on the pathway of faith. And Abraham here, not for the first time, he's going to be confronted with the death of a loved one. We know that many years previous when he was in the land of Haran, he knew what it was to lose his father. And it's recorded at the end of Genesis chapter 11, the death of Terah, Abraham's father. But now it is his wife. Now it's his partner in life. It's in chapter 23 that Abraham will have to bury Sarah. The wording there of verse 2 that we have already read together would seem to indicate to us that Abraham was not present whenever Sarah died. You look towards the end of verse 2, it says, And Abraham came, Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And so the fact that Abraham came, it would appear that he had to come to that particular place where Sarah lay, that he was not there whenever she passed away. And it's not always possible. Perhaps we would like to be there whenever our loved ones are passing out into eternity, but it's not always possible to be there. The Lord knows that. And it seems that for his beloved wife, Sarah, Abraham wasn't there. Therefore, someone had to come to him with that message. Someone had to relay the sad news. Abraham, from wherever he was, perhaps out in the field, he has to come in and he will mourn and he will weep for his wife. That's not a position that any of us desire to be in or look forward to being in but at times it comes and we have no choice in that matter it's out of our control these circumstances are appointed and they are ordered by the Lord and in the midst of Abraham's loss and in the midst of his bereavement he has here this wonderful opportunity to demonstrate his faith in the Lord. And perhaps there's no greater time when the world would look on. When a believer has lost a dear loved one and the world will look on to see how does the Christian cope at that time of bereavement. 
How is the Christian going to deal with the loss of a dear loved one? Well, there's no greater opportunity to demonstrate our faith in the Lord. That's exactly what Abraham does in this chapter. And so just to bring a few thoughts in relation to the death of Sarah. Firstly, the timing of Sarah's death. The timing of her death. When you look at the opening verse of the chapter, it says, And Sarah was an hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And so there's a reference to the timing here. It was at the point when she was 127 years old and we're told her exact age at the time of her death. Sometimes they're individuals and they're reluctant to give away their age. And their age is a closely guarded secret. I don't know if... It's more a thing for women than for men, but some men are just as guarded. Well, here Sarah doesn't have that privilege, for it's here recorded in the Word of God for everyone to read. And you don't read of any other woman in the Bible where you'll learn her age, especially at the time of her death. You may be quickly thinking, well, there was Jairus's daughter. Her age is mentioned. She was 12 years of age, but she was just a child. You may think of Anna, the prophetess. Luke chapter 2 and the verse 37 tells us of Anna that she was a widow of about four score and four years. And so we say, well, we know Anna's age. She was 84 But the way it's worded, some commentators would suggest that she was a widow for 84 years. So that means that Sarah is really the only one that we can be absolutely sure about concerning her age and especially her age at the time of her death. She was 127 years old. And she's certainly the only woman in the Bible that we learn that about. You see the expression there at the end of verse 1 that speaks there about the years of the life of Sarah. The years of the life of Sarah. Her allotted time. And the Lord gives us each one an allotted time. We don't know how long that's going to be. And for Sarah, it was 127 years, the years of the life of Sarah. And she certainly had many years. She had a long life. She was blessed with many years. She was about 10 years younger than her husband. 10 years younger than Abraham. And so every time Abraham's age is mentioned in the Bible, you just take off the 10 and you have Sarah's age. And so her age is revealed at quite a number of points in the Bible. When the Lord called Abraham out of the air of the Chaldees, he was 75, Sarah was 65. And so you could think about the years of the life of Sarah up to that point when she was 65, there in the land of the air of the Chaldees. And then you could think of her time uh, from 65 years onwards when she would come out there with her husband Abraham and they would travel to Haran and they would travel to Canaan. They would be many years together. The years of the life of Sarah. It wasn't all positive when you look at the life of Sarah. 
times in her life when she failed the Lord. Remember the time she was promised the son and there was the laugh of unbelief. And the Lord who visited them at that point, the Lord was able to tell her that she had laughed within. There are times whenever she feared and no doubt uh, when she contemplated the promise of the son, times whenever she doubted. You remember the time as well when she agreed with her husband that they would tell lies concerning their relationship. Just say you're my sister, don't say you're my wife. You remember whenever she encouraged her husband to have the relationship with Hagar, the handmaid, and Ishmael would be born. And so when you look at the life of Sarah, she had her fears and her failures. But I want to say she had her faith. She was a woman of faith. She was one who trusted in the Lord. And we can turn over to the New Testament, to Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of the faithful. Those great heroes of the faith. It's like a roll of honor and they're named one after another. And I think there are only two women, maybe three, three women mentioned in Hebrews 11. And Sarah's one of them. Sarah was a woman of faith. And in Hebrews 11 and the verse 11, it says there, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And there whenever she was going to have the promised son of Isaac, while she doubted it at first, Hebrews 11 shows us that along with her husband she came to believe and through faith she believed the promise of the Lord. She was faithful there to the Lord. She was past age, past the years of childbearing. But there was that miraculous birth of Isaac and she believed the promise of God. He's a woman of faith. If you were to look also in the word of God at First Peter in the chapter 3, you'll find that Sarah is mentioned in First Peter. And she's being held up here as an example to women. She's being held up by the apostle Peter as an example to wives. First Peter chapter 3, the apostle will address wives and then he'll go on to address husbands. But when he's addressing wives in 1 Peter 3 and he's speaking about their subjection and he's speaking about their obedience and about their adorning, you come down to verse 5 and he says, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And then verse 6 says, Even as Sarah. You see how the Apostle Peter, when he's looking for a role model, he's looking for an example to women and to wives. He takes Sarah and he says, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. 
a role model of a faithful, a faithful woman, a faithful wife, holy women who trusted in the Lord, and there's Sarah. And so while we don't deny and the scripture doesn't hide from us her faults and her failures, yet we can certainly trace in the word of God that she was one who trusted in the Lord. You look back again at her Bible reading in Genesis 23, and you come to verse 2. It tells us there the place that she died. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. She died in Hebron. And Hebron, of course, means fellowship. Abraham and Sarah moved to Hebron after they separated there from Lot and they made their home there and they had, of course, the visit there, the heavenly visit. And here we find that that's the very place where Sarah is going to pass from time into eternity. It's at the place of fellowship, fellowship with the Lord. Whenever it comes to that time for us, if the Lord tarries, that's the place you want to pass. You want to be in the place of fellowship with the Lord. Hebron is in the land of Canaan. And Canaan speaks about the land of promise and the land of blessing. It's used to speak to us about heaven. And surely that's the place that you want to be whenever it comes to the time of your passing. You want to be in the place of fellowship with the Lord and you want the land of heaven to be there before you. You want to have that blessed hope, the hope of the gospel that is both sure and certain. That's where you want to be. And Sarah would teach us that. Make sure when it comes to that time of your demise that you're passing in the place of fellowship with the hope of heaven before you. The timing of Sarah's death. But secondly, the tears at Sarah's death. You couldn't not notice at the end of verse 2, it says of Abraham that he came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. May the tears of the man of God and here's the man of God on the pathway of faith and yet we find he has tears. Tears in the Bible. The tears of God's people in the Bible. You could read in Mark's Gospel and the chapter 14 and the verse 72 about the tears of Peter. It says, And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. The apostle Peter wept. And he was weeping there over his sin and over his failure. Also, in the book of Acts, in the chapter 20, we would read there about the tears of the Ephesian believers. When the Apostle Paul came to that time when he would have to leave them and they knew that they would not uh, see him again, it tells us in Acts chapter 20 and the verse 37, And they all wept sore 
and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him onto the ship, and the Ephesian believers there, they wept with the apostle Paul as he came to leave them. Shortest verse in the Bible. John's Gospel, chapter 11, the verse 35. The Lord is there at the tomb of Lazarus, and it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. No shame to weep. No shame to weep over the loss of a dear loved one. The Savior there stood at the tomb of Lazarus, whom he loved, and he wept. The hymn writer asked the question, does Jesus care? When I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me, when my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks, is it aught to him does he see? The chorus of that hymn says, Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know that my Saviour cares. And through Abraham's tears, he knows that the Lord cared. Tells us that he not only wept, but he mourned. Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And the word mourn there has to do with grief and with sorrow. And if the tears are there, the outward expression, surely the mourning is the inward The grief and the sorrow. Oh, the tears can be seen, but at times there's a heart there beneath that is filled with grief and pain at the sense of loss. Thank God. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the man of sorrows. Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto his sorrow. He's the man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. Isaiah tells us that he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. And so in the midst of those times of pain and loss, we're not without hope. Thank God for the blessed hope of the gospel of Christ. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have that sure and that certain hope and sorrow. 1 Thessalonians 4 and the verse 13, that we sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What a blessed hope. Through the morning, through the tears, The last book in the Bible, Revelation, chapter 7, the verse 17, tells us at the end of that verse, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Thank God we sorrow not as others which have no hope. And so there's the timing at Sarah's death and the tears at Sarah's death But thirdly, the testimony at Sarah's death. Look at verse 3 of our Bible reading. It says, And Abraham stood up from before his dead 
They seem simple words. Abraham stood up from before his death. We've said that there's no shame in mourning and weeping for the death of a dear loved one. But there came the point here with Abraham where he stood up from before his death. He knew he couldn't remain there. He couldn't just continue there. There had to come a point where he would stand up. He knew as he was there through his pain and his sorrow, he knew that there were things that he had to now attend to. He knew that there were duties that he would have to perform and he stood up. Took the strength and the grace of God for Abraham to do that in the circumstances. Therefore I say as testimony. Testimony of his faith. A demonstration of his faith in God. And I don't underestimate for one moment uh, what it is to lose a partner in life of so many years. And I know that some have experienced that and others perhaps would dread that. But I can say this, God's grace is sufficient. And God will give you the grace to stand up. And that's what Abraham experienced here. Abraham stood up from before his dead. He had to now attend to the burial of Sarah. That meant he had to get a burying place. He needed a grave. He's in the land of Canaan. He speaks to his neighbors who are the Hethites. They're also called the Hittites. And you've read together with me the exchange that takes place with the Hethites and eventually with Ephron in the purchase of the grave. And when you notice there, as he begins at the end of verse 3, to speak unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. And so there's more here by way of his testimony of faith. Not only the fact that he had the grace and the help of the Lord to stand up, but he now has the grace and help of the Lord uh, to speak here uh, to the sons of Heth. And he says to them, I'm a stranger and a sojourner here with you. And that description that he gives of himself, that's also by way of his testimony. I'm a stranger here. I'm one who doesn't belong here. Some places in Northern Ireland, you could move into them, but you would always be a blow-in. You maybe have to be there for three or four generations before you're accepted as being a local. You're a stranger. And that's the thought here that Abraham is saying, I'm a stranger in this land, but he's been there for over 60 years. But he still refers to himself as a stranger in that place. And that reminds us of what we are in this old world. We're strangers here. The apostle would teach us that our citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, we're just strangers here below. We don't actually belong here. 
When the Apostle Peter was coming to write to God's people in 1 Peter chapter 2 and the verse 11, he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims here. Strangers and pilgrims. That's similar to what Abraham was saying. I'm a stranger in this land. We're strangers in this world. A sojourner. A sojourner is one who is not staying in a particular place. A sojourner is really a traveler, one who is a pilgrim, one who's passing through a particular place. And Abraham is saying to the Hethites, I'm a stranger, I don't belong here, and I'm just passing through here. That was his testimony. And that should be our testimony in this world. We're just passing through this world. I've referred to Hebrews 11 on more than one occasion, but Hebrews 11 is telling us about Abraham and about others in verse 13. And it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Strangers and pilgrims on the earth who are seeking a country, that is, a better country. We're seeking a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. And Abraham, the friend of God and the father of the faithful, as he speaks to the Hethites and he's going to ask them about purchasing a burying place for his wife, he says, but I'm a stranger and I'm a sojourner here. I don't belong here and I'm just passing through. That's the believer in this world. Abraham's testimony is clear. When the Hethites reply to him, You can see what they thought of Abraham. Verse 6, they said to him, Hear us, my Lord, thou art a mighty prince among us. Oh, he bore a good testimony, even with the Hethites, the Canaanites around him. They said, Thou art a mighty prince. What they were really saying is, Thou art a mighty man of God. His testimony was clear, even before his neighbors around him. And you could take time to go down chapter 23 in the way that Abraham conducted his business and his negotiation uh, with the Hethites when it came to buying uh, the burial place for his wife. He dealt with them in such a gracious way. He dealt with them in such a courteous way. By the way he conducted himself, given his circumstances at this point, His heart is breaking. But he wasn't so consumed with his own circumstances that he could not deal graciously with those around him. He had a good testimony with the Hethites. Thou art a mighty prince. The testimony of Abraham comes out as well in where he buried his wife. 
We've learned from our Bible reading that he bought the cave Machpelah, which was in a field, and he, he bought the whole field as well with all of the trees in it, and it was secured to him as a burying place, and he paid for it. Seeing that they were offering it to him, that he could take it, and some would say that was just the Oriental's way of arriving at a deal because Ephron very cleverly dropped in what the field was worth, 400 shekels of silver. And so while he was saying you can have it, he was saying it's worth 400 shekels of silver. And Abraham felt he wanted to purchase it. And so he counted out the money and he bought that cave. It was called Machpelah. Machpelah. That name actually means doubling, doubling up. Some suggest that it's because there were two caves there, or there was a double entrance to the cave that had got its name Machpelah. But Sarah went in to be buried in the cave Machpelah, but it was soon doubled up. Abraham would join her there, a doubling in the grave. Isaac and Rebekah, they would be in there too. And Jacob and Leah, they would be in there too. Now, some historians would suggest that Abraham had actually found the burial place here of Adam and Eve and that they were in there, but there's no scriptural warrant for that. And it reminds us, doesn't it, that one by one we're all going down the valley with our faces toward the setting of life's sun. One by one, if the Lord tarries his second coming, we'll all be in the grave. And surely the challenge to us today as we've thought about the death of a faithful woman who trusted in the Lord, it ought to challenge us to make sure that we're ready, that whenever that day comes for us, we will die with that faith and trust in the Lord. We'll die in fellowship with the Lord. And we'll die with that sure and certain hope of heaven that is before us. Thank God our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has secured heaven for his people through his substitutionary death upon the cross of Calvary. Let's unite our hearts together as we close our service in the word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for the Word of God before us this day. We praise Thee, our Father, of what we can learn from this chapter. Reminds us each one of our own mortality. And we pray, O God, that it would challenge even the unconverted today to prepare for eternity and to be ready to meet the Lord. We ask, O God, for Thy presence and for Thy blessing to continue upon us even right throughout this thy day. Bless the gospel witness this evening. Do watch over each one of us and keep us looking on to the one who is the author and who will be the finisher of our faith. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide with each one, both now and ever. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.